Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's the most talked about TV show that's not on TV. And I think you guys are amazing. With raw, honest opinions. This was not a mistake. This was a lie. Exclusive stories. Some industry insiders have been talking about this. Is that a Ben Robin Robbo exclusive? And plenty of famous faces. I'm not wasting these gold moments on the 60 minutes. (laughs) The Ben Robin Robbo Show is the new way to stream your news. This is the stuff that headlines are made of. Live every Monday to Thursday at 1pm Australian Eastern Standard Time on Ticker TV or Facebook and Twitter at BRR Show. Watch live or on demand. Streaming across the globe, Ben Norris, Rob McKnight and David Robinson. Welcome to the Ben Robin Robbo Show. Here's Rob McKnight. Hello and welcome to another big edition of the Ben Robin Robbo Show. I'm so excited about today's episode and you'll find out why in just a moment. But first, let's bring in the boys. It's David Robinson and Ben Norris. And Ben, I almost can't look you in the eye because... I accidentally did a nudie run in front of you today. Um, I, my camera is always open and Ben had connected and I realised and let's just say I, I, I wasn't prepared. Look, to be fair, I thought it was an exclusive trailer that had just dropped for the Lord of the Rings prequel Gollum. So I was like, this is exciting. I thought you were going to say and then I was like, oh, hang on a sec, that's my boss. And then I was like, I better go get my partner so he can watch. And then by the time Martin came in here, you were gone. So uh, anyway, I, looking forward to that. I thought you were going to say you thought you had to rescue the beached whale. but uh... <laughs> No, no, no. It was, uh, I thought it was the trailer when you turned around and you saw yourself in the mirror and you said, my precious. And I was like... Oh, wait, that's Rob McKnight. Where was I looking when I said that? That's more concerning. At yourself, in the, at yourself right down the barrel of the camera. Oh, right, okay. Hey, look, you two, uh, like, pull yourselves together because we've got a really special guest and you two are being, like, gross little schoolboys, for goodness sake. I know. Uh, let's, let's bring her in because it is a very special Tuesday as we are joined by a special guest host for the entire show. Let's meet her. She graced our screens for the first time in 1993 and since then has become an icon of Australian television. Whether hosting sporting events or teaching us how to better our homes and gardens, Joanna Griggs knows her way around our small screens and we love her. Her talents don't stop there as she boasts a record-winning swimming career earning herself a bronze medal in the Commonwealth Games. It's no surprise that she has an Order of Australia because she is Australian royalty. Welcome to the Ben Robin Robbo Show, Joanna Griggs. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My pleasure to be here. <laughs> Um, that was very lovely. Joe, luckily I was dressed when we did our technical check earlier today, so you didn't have to put up with the nudity. But uh, welcome to the Ben Robin Robo show. Thank you. I don't know whether I should feel a little bit ripped off. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 you don't feel ripped off. My... You feel very, very happy. Yes. Uh, Joe, it, it is my pleasure to be here. It is such a thrill to have you here. I think, you know, I'm a huge fan of yours. Um, you have, you're doing Better Homes and Gardens for 15 years now and you have survived in one of the toughest industries that there is. What do you love about the show? What, how have you survived in the TV industry? Because it's a cutthroat <laughs> industry. 
Look, it certainly is. Uh, I've been I've in the industry for now coming up to 27 years. Um, Better Homes is a delight if I had to focus on that. It's absolutely magic. It's a show that's all positive. We only celebrate people or great ideas or great design or innovations. I work with people, all who are experts in their own field and our our production team is actually just as important as our on-camera team and we don't have anyone work on the show who doesn't love it as much as we do. So mm. Better Homes is a joy. Sport, I love. I still love live sport. It's still the thing that probably excites me the most and is the closest that you can actually get to competing as an athlete. Um, you only have that one chance to get into trouble and one chance to get out of it. Uh, <laughs> but as far as <laughs> longevity, and I'd have to say um, it's, it's through sticking through your guns and being authentic and... It's not always an easy path doing that because mm. you can get into a lot of trouble, which I regularly do. But, um, you know, I came from a, a, an incredibly close, amazing, huge family who instilled in us from a very young age that how you start how you finish. And as long as you can sleep at night, you're generally okay with whatever choices you make as long as you can live with them. And I think that's actually what's held me in good stead. Yeah, I think that's very Brilliantly fair. said, Joe. I, I've, got to, I've got to bring up, uh, you had to cut short your swimming career because of health issues. I've got to say, on behalf of Australia, we're glad whatever those health issues were because it means we get to enjoy you on the screen for, for this many years. But um, how hard, that felt weird to say, so I hope it wasn't something serious. Uh, how hard is it to be forced to walk away from something like that? And I meant all of that respectfully and lovingly, but... I, look, I get it. And actually, the funniest thing about that is it's actually a little bit of a myth that I think a lazy journalist put in one day because it was easier than explaining the whole story. So I was really sick at 17 and had a year and a half out of the pool, um, went back into the pool, had to pull out of the Olympic trials in 92, went away for six months, came back against doctor's orders and actually finished number one in the world um, in March of 93. So the myth that swimming cut short my career was one of those things that somebody's gone, oh, hang on, that's too hard to explain this sentence let's just say that illness cut short it definitely was the period of my life I learned the most about myself um because you know I was at a stage earning a lot of money from the sport lost all my sponsors learned a lot about human nature where if something's a little bit difficult for people and they haven't got a quick fix they generally will uh, avoid it rather than actually face it head on yeah. so I, I over that course of the year I only had about four friends who lots of friends at the start who came to visit but only four who by the end of the year were coming wow. because it was just too confronting but that said I actually got to go back I went back twice the second time I was successful and if you are going to stop uh, a sport and retire, I would suggest that you stop it when you're number one in the world. Now, it's kind of, even that's a bit of a twist. Because, <laughs> you know, that was in March of that year. So I guarantee you by the end of that year, I may not have been number one. But at that exact moment, I hit the wall I was. you got to go out a winner, Joe. Yeah, and I'd had two and a half years on a wheat-free, yeast-free, egg-free, corn-free, malt-free, sugar-free, beef-free, dairy-free, herb-free, spice-free, caffeine-free diet. <laughs> oh, God. And, yeah, Wait, what did you eat there? Heart rate. Are you eating here? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was a breatharian. No, um, I <laughs> But uh, look, oh I, I mean, as I say, it's, it's, it is literally the period that I'm most grateful for. It, it was a terrifying period for my mum because she was a school teacher and yeah. I had had a total of several months of secondary education as opposed to the six years that you're meant to get. Um, and, and so when I announced my retirement, her big fear was, you know, what are you going to do? And I was very fortunate I had three network um, contract offers within 24 hours and I actually... Wow, try seven wow. back then yeah amazing because now i realize how many athletes hope that's the path mm. but it just doesn't happen yeah. the opportunities aren't given these days and um, you know, I chose seven because they promised training and learnt the first rule of television very early, which is they'll say anything to get you to sign a contract. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've got to play nice, and I will say to you, I will say, you know, you've absolutely needed to evolve throughout the years, and I think that's probably why your career has been so successful. You know, we've seen COVID shut down a lot of television productions. You know, what's the near future now looking like for Better Homes and Gardens? I know that there's so many people listening to this now going, come on, hopefully it's not one of the shows that's going to have any scheduling changes. What's it looking like at the moment? Oh, Ben, if it was scheduling changes, our show, we are all across that shit. We've done that for years. <laughs> 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 that's so <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> 
to be perfectly oh, honest, we were one of the very few productions in Australia who actually kept going throughout the entire lockdown period. And that required wow. an amazing amount of adaptability from our team, um, a huge communication, fantastic leadership. We had to split the team almost into three different groups. We have four presenters who are actually in lockdown in Melbourne. We obviously can't fly producers in down there. So it has required this monumental rethink and, and I've been really proud of how everyone has actually reacted and responded and we've been able to actually find a lot of really positive good news stories in a time where we're just being saturated with so many terrible stories and sad stories and you know from a beyond blue point of view as a board director i know the impact that endless kind of um reinforcing of bad news can have for people so that's the other great thing better homes does it's 90 minutes of good news every week that a whole family can sit in front of which is so good. You know what, Joe? I just realised you can swim underwater and you can talk underwater. I think you're going to give us all a run for our money today. I'm so excited about you being on the show. This is going to be so much fun. So I just want to thank you so much. Ben, it's why I was a backstroker and not a freestyler. So. <laughs> I thought that was a different reason, but we'll find out more about that later. Uh <laughs> All right, we're getting too yes, loose. Now on. you're really part of the show, Joe. Look, uh, <laughs> look forward to getting your views on the hot topics all through the show. So let's get into them. And when Jim from Jim's Mowing gets irritated, you certainly know about it. The franchise king appeared again on the Nine Networks Today show, talking about how the Victorian government's handling of the COVID-19 pandemic pandemic has been terrible. Jim didn't mince words when he said the Premier Dan Andrews has blood on his hands. Carl Stefanovic put to the Mowing man that that comment was incredibly provocative, but he didn't back down. Well, it's, it's true, because our industry is no threat to public health at all. A lone operator working alone in a garden is no threat to health. But when you throw tens of thousands of people out of work without need, you talk about mental health issues, suicide, drug addiction, child abuse, domestic violence, and the rest. There's a lot of really, really grim things. I know there's independent operators out there who are on suicide watch because of this. So yes, people will die as a result of the Premier's actions. Again, there was more fire in the two-stroke when Jim Penman unequivocally called for Dan Andrews to resign. No matter what um, you all say, no matter how much business rallies and the rallying calls are from every street corner right now, the Victorian government doesn't listen to business. No, absolutely doesn't not listen. Look, I have asked some very simple questions to the Premier again and again. Why did you change your own regulations, your own expert advice that sole operators could operate safely? Why did you change that? How come council operators can work in groups when our people can't alone? The Premier has flatly refused even to answer the simplest questions. This idea that he consults with business is ludicrous. It's a joke. Do you think he should stand aside? Oh, absolutely he should. He really should. He is an utter incompetent. He has stuffed the quarantine. He's stuffing the contact tracing. He's stuffing the testing. The only thing he's good at is trashing the Victorian economy, especially industries like mine, which are no threat to public health. He should absolutely step down. He should be tossed out by his own party. Wow, you are not... Wow, Joe... Is this, any, yes. is, is this selfish? Is it helpful? What do you make of this? Look, I think it's always the easiest uh, position that you can take in a time of crisis is the pile-on. And mm -hmm. to be perfectly honest, I don't think anyone in those situations is actually actively going out there to try and ruin people's lives. So, you know, the other part of that interview was Carl talking about the numbers coming down. And, yes, there is some angst for plenty of operators when you think, OK, at the moment in Victoria and construction you can have five people working on a new build or you can have people working on a build where there's a separate, you know, bathroom and washing facility. So then you question why people can't get out in the garden if it is in, um, you know, following all the protocols that everyone else is. But I don't think it's helpful when you're just constantly piling on someone who is actually trying to look after the health of more than just one sector and one group of people. Well, that's the point. Um, Dan Andrews said on 7.30 last night he couldn't care less about politics. Le leadership at, the, at a time like this is about doing what's right, not what's popular. Robbo, I want to bring this to your attention. Do you know Jim Penman's name isn't actually Jim? His name is David Penman. Do you know? Well, it's that a fantastic he, name. Do you know that he <laughs> fired his own sister? They no longer speak. She fired him. 
The quotes in an article from the SMH on March 1, 2019, say he's there's always a revolving door at the national office, and when it comes to business, he's ruthless. Is this just him being ruthless, happy to bring down a premier so that he gets what he wants and his business is A-OK no matter whether people die? Yeah, I agree with Joe. It seems like a pile-on is very uh, very fashionable at the moment, and that's what he's doing. It, it, it strikes me with uh, Jim slash David slash mowing man slash whatever. Slash Karen. It strikes me with him that this does seem like not actually uh, a focus or a love for his franchisees. It's more of a focus on the fact that the franchisees won't be able to bring him in money. So mm. I, I understand what he's saying. There are some valid points that he brings up in regards to business and, and has there been a lot of discussion with business? You know, of, of course. But he just seems to be on this kind of attack um, on Premier Dan Andrews because he can't do the work. Um, he did bring up an interesting point later in the interview where he said that, um, uh, you know, council workers working in groups were still, still able to go to parks and things like that that, uh, you know, that is a discrepancy and, and he is a big businessman. So he, I guess he does get to kind of have that voice or kind of, you know, allow that uh, stage for him to walk out on. But uh, it does seem pretty selfish from where he's coming from. I've also heard, this is allegedly, I can't say allegedly oh, enough, allegedly, 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 <laughs> uh, that, that David, Jim Penn, whatever his name is, mowing, uh, he is not a very nice businessman. Um, but hey, well, he fired his sister, so he's certainly uh, of a certain ilk. Ben, oh, who we wouldn't have fired their sister? In <laughs> we I mean, I would have fired my sister a million times if I worked with and her. They, and they but, would yeah. have fired you. I, I would yeah. say that also might be a factor. Um, but I want to quickly say something. Sorry? I actually don't mind people who want to come forward and challenge the... The, the Premier. I don't think sure. that's necessarily a problem, but I really would appreciate them sticking to a sensible argument. And yes, he did bring up some validity in some of his arguments, but his general nature and his tone, it is promoting fear and fear is leading to hate. And people like him are galvanising these other people out there to also come online. And they're going that step further. And they're saying, that Dan Andrews should be pulled out of his house and shot. So what yeah. I would like to say about these types of people is stick, read the play, understand what we're going through in Melbourne. You might have a valid point, but sharpen your ideas if you're going to be on national television and be really smart about it. Good on you, Ben. All right, let's move on to our next topic. And the Olympic flame will burn in Tokyo next year, no matter what. That's the blunt message from the International Olympic Committee that the rescheduled 2020 Games will go ahead on July 23rd next year with or without COVID. Joe, you're our Olympian girl. Uh, do you think the Olympic Games should go ahead no matter what the situation is? Very torn with this one. Uh, obviously, covering Tokyo will be my seventh Olympics and second Paralympic Games. And I know for a lot of athletes, they are just hanging on by a thread to, to know that those games are going ahead. Uh, I, th I think either way, a decision has to be made sooner rather than later for the athletes. And if you look at the decision that was made to delay, pretty much the IOC and the IPC were the very last people to finally acknowledge that, that the Olympics and Paralympics couldn't go ahead in 2020. And that that actually mentally destroyed a lot of athletes right then who then had to reassess their goals. Plenty of them retired. So part of like my head says, I'm not sure if it will, either of them will go ahead. My heart says, gosh, I hope they do go ahead. But there are just so many things at, at play. I mean, you look at where we are now, even if there is a vaccination, are they going to be able to vaccinate 15,000 athletes plus six support people per athlete, um, put them in one village all together with many of them playing contact sport? I don't know. I <laughs> More just... than contact sport. We all know what goes on at the Olympics. Uh, isn't condom the, like, the biggest, uh, it's more valuable than money condoms are at the Olympics, <laughs> in the Olympic village. But, um, Joe, you know, I, I do get it because I, when I think of you, I can't help but remember this moment from 2000 <laughs> when you got to run, the, got the torch uh, outside the Sydney Opera House. And I remember seeing you in interviews and you just had tears. And I think this was a moment Australia really fell in love with you. Anyone of, uh, who, who watched those scenes and how much you just loved that moment, this is... Australia will forever love you because of this moment, I think. You could, I think you could kill... Mm. You're like Donald Trump. You could kill a man and Australia would still love you. <laughs> OK, too far. I don't think so. All right. <laughs> 
<laughs> all right, maybe too far. But you can, yeah. my point being that, in all seriousness, you can see the joy that you had in that moment and that's obviously what people all around the world want to get back to with having the Olympics back on. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that whole the whole two weeks of the Sydney Olympics and the three weeks we did Olympic Sunrise was extraordinary. But the reason, part of the reason why I was so emotional, just apart from the the love and the joy and the, the sheer excitement about the Olympics that you felt from just uh, masses and masses of people that were down at Circular Quay was in the pre-briefing. You know, we're in there with some pretty amazing people and Olivia Newton-John was asking if her daughter could run with her and they were saying absolutely not absolutely no children <laughs> no support staff no one is like yeah you're, you, they cannot they cannot run with you you've been selected and I you know I was the single mom going through a pretty uh, interesting stage as far as child custody right through the Sydney games and I came around the corner and in the middle of the street were my two boys who were aged you know three and two and my nephew who was three and I just kind of lost the plot as you saw and when I went up to the I said, this policeman said to me, look, I just, uh, the only thing that would have made, see, you know, seeing my dad run would have been if we could have run with him. And I thought, what are they going to do the night before the game? Sack me. And so he had actually gone into the crowd, got the kids out and brought them into the middle of the, middle oh, of the road. Oh, so brilliant. Unbelievable. That's amazing. I thought you were going to say, sorry, I thought, sorry, Joe, I thought you were going to say you saw Olivia Newton-John ringing the, ringing the producers of Strictly, no, what is it? <laughs> Dancing with the Stars and asking if her daughter could be in the show. Back in 2000, <laughs> right. Yeah, that's a yeah, lot of it took a lot. Uh, <laughs> it took a lot of phone calls. It took a lot of phone calls to get Chloe into <laughs> Dancing with the Stars. Anyway, wasted joke. Sorry, everybody. No, it was funny. Um, but what I will ask you, Ben, is... Um, <laughs> Should the Olympics go ahead on the on the topic, if there is a chance of, you know, COVID's surely still going to be around. It's going to be really hard to to have a situation where it won't spread. Well, I'm a little bit like Joe in the sense that I'm a little bit in two minds because I think that there is something really positive about us looking forward to something. I think that we don't have that crystal ball, though, to be able to tell what it's going to be like at that time. So it seems a little bit preemptive to say that, look, we're going to go ahead with this regardless because we are going to need to continue to evolve. But like I said, you know, there's a lot of Australians, there's a lot of people around the world right now looking for some hope and looking for something really positive. And that's what sport is about. And I've, I've mm. spoken about this throughout this whole pandemic and that is the power of sport i'm not a big sports fan but i certainly understand that is the fiber of a lot of people's lifestyles it's so important in their routine and i think that uh looking forward to the olympics is important and, and look robert there's also a lot of money involved here the the television rights to the olympics is is a huge deal you know um and a lot of broadcasters rely on the ratings that the olympics generate yeah, I, I agree with Ben and Joe. I think that this it, this is the kind of thing that the world needs. And I think in a year's time, we either are going to learn to live with COVID or still be in this kind of weird idea that we can get rid of it. I, I just don't think we can get rid of it. But if we can make the games as safe as possible, because like Joe said, you know, there are 15,000 athletes who, you know, the, everything that they do in their lives from the moment they wake up to the moment they go to sleep, uh, they are focusing mm. on competing in this wonderful uh, stage, this world stage of sport. And I just think that, yeah, it, 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 it obviously had to be cancelled this year that, you know, we, we can't deny that. But I think... I like, I actually appreciate the IOC coming out and say, COVID or not, we're going to put these games on. So, yes, it might not have an opening ceremony. It might not have a closing ceremony. You know, there might be things a little bit different, but at least, you know, all the, all the people around the world who are trained and trained and trained and have done the the, uh, the air diet that Joe talked about at the beginning of the show, uh, where they <laughs> just uh, ate air, uh, they need their time to enjoy the fact that they haven't, haven't just eaten air for no reason, that they can get there and I also think it's like Good like Ben said it's a really important thing for us to look forward uh, you know the Olympics uh, it's it's a global movement you know it, it, it connects everything in a way that nothing else does uh, and I think it would be very important to keep that flame burning sorry to yeah. sound so cliche at the end there it sounded better no, in great. my head but I love yeah, it. keep the, That's good. Keep we, the we, flame we burning no, I feel like I should go to Hallmark now and write some cards. I felt weird about that. I feel <laughs> about that. But uh, that's, you know what I'm trying we to say. I'm trying to pivot. be nice. We need to find money where we yeah. can. So I think it's a good yeah. idea. Yeah. It could be a side <laughs> business for the Ben Robin Robbo show. 
Uh, yeah. Hang on, can I just work yeah. out? None of us will be getting money for that. It will actually be... No, 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 no. Yes. <laughs> no, no, Joe. Joe. No. no. Look, I'll... I'll... I'll give you a credit, like a really tiny credit at the bottom underneath the price, uh, but I can't actually give anyone else some money on the this The thing one, I love, Robbo will need someone else to make it happen, so I'll be able to cash in because he won't be able to do it by himself, so I'll be right. All right, it's the end of an era in Aussie retail with Woolies now stopping change of mind refunds. The supermarket giant now says that if you take a product home and change your mind, you can no longer bring it back and get a refund. Instead, the 94-year-old company suggests sharing the unwanted products with the elderly and vulnerable. If you change your mind or purchase the wrong product, you can still exchange it for something else in the store. Coles made the change in March and Woolies says its policy brings it into line with current supermarket practice. Robbo, I've never actually returned a product to the store. I've never gone, oh, wrong product, I don't want it anymore, I'll take it back. I've just lived with it. Yeah, but maybe you, you have the the financial capabilities to do that, where you you go out of the shop and you go, oh bloody hell, I, I no, bought the wrong thing. No, probably just if too lazy. I... <laughs> All that, but either or, no, no. I would suggest you if you were if you were in the financial position to be able to do that, you're not. You, you, yes, you are lazy. But if you are not in the financial position to do that, you're not lazy. You actually go and okay. All right. Yeah, no, um, I was laughing. Actually I was go... laughing just because you're so funny. Uh, yeah. Were you not used to Pulling us laughing at your jokes, Robbo? Is that what happened there? <laughs> <laughs> there was no joke there. That, that's the problem. There was no joke. Let's bring it back. This is a serious issue. Serious issue. So, okay, fair um, enough. I, I think it is a Go big on. thing that uh, where it when people can't return something. So there was a story where a woman had bought the different, you know, box of Coke, you know, the, the 20 cans were on special. She bought the 30 cans, she bought them back and, you know, she was told not to. Uh, but and in, in the end, she spent a lot of money on extra cans that she didn't want to, whatever, right? So that's fine. But when you're dealing with a company that made almost $60.5 billion in revenue uh, in the last financial year, you've got to ask yourself, is this the right time to bring in uh, you know, a policy like this, we, yeah. the policy of changing your mind has been around for decades. Um, if, you know, if you've done the wrong thing, they're happy to do it. I don't know that this is the right time for a $60 billion company to be saying to Australians, hey, you know, now nah, we're going to get rid of that, uh, you know, that policy and just deal with it. I think it's wrong. Uh, ben, what do you think? I think that I like the ability wait, wait, to return wait, why things. Why is Joe laughing? Because, why is Joe laughing? Because, I thought I was being really serious, I think Joe. I cannot wait to respond. I think that's wrong. <laughs> okay, great. Okay, great. Really quickly, before we let Joe say her thing, I was going to say I like to be able to return products because every day my partner goes to the shops to buy the same drinks that we get and he still gets the diet version. He never reads oh. the labels. He's like... And it literally makes me so upset because I can't have the vanilla, nella, 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 lean or whatever it's called, the fake sugar. It makes me feel really nauseous. So uh, I have to go and take it back. Yeah, it's gross. Anyway, oh my God. Joe? It, it really puts in perspective, you know, the people that are going through the <laughs> Robert, have no houses. I knew he was going to say that. Really put, Mute him. It really puts in perspective thoughts Mute and him. Prayers. I want to hear what Joe has to say. Sorry, sorry. Joe, well, between sorry. Ben's partner, who is unable to obviously read when he actually gets through, or maybe he's trying to tell Ben something. Husband, a special sniffer. Like he will sit there and he will stand in an aisle and we can't buy something until he's worked out the special here, the special there. I, honestly, Robert, if, if it was you, when you walked into a supermarket and you just grabbed what you wanted and then you just went and paid for it, when you got home, you realised how much you paid for it, I'd understand. But even the people who are sitting there and working out their budgets, the prices are there. So you actually have an option at that point to, to actually choose yeah. what you're going to choose and to work out what you're going to pay. And if it's too much at that point and you've worked out you paid $20 extra for a box of Coca-Cola, there should be some little you know red flag going off in your mind that actually that's not the one that you really want. So I think this <laughs> yeah. was actually partly put in to stop all the panic buying. So I, I, you know, it comes back to common sense, ah. which is although, isn't always common. That, no, that's a, that's a very fair point. And you know what? If very their PR point. people had been onto it, they very would have fair. said that to stop the panic buying. But maybe because they haven't said that, that's not the reason. But that is actually a very fair point. All right, let's move on. Because there are laws we all know and hopefully follow, you know, things like don't speed while driving, <coughs> don't litter, don't kill anybody. But there are some rules around the world that you don't want to get caught out breaking. 
and you might not even know they exist. Did you know in Thailand it's illegal to defame or insult the royal family? In Singapore, you can go to jail for chewing gum on the street. And in a sacred spot in Japan, it's actually forbidden to die. Um, Robo, oh. what's something you would like to make illegal? <laughs> Oh, I think idiots. I think morons. I think that's the end uh, of the Ben Robin Robo show. Good night. I'd like to make illegal are the people who go shopping, right? And they get a packet of chips when they first go in, and then as they're shopping, they open the chips, right? And they eat the chips as they're oh. shopping, and then at the end of it, they give the empty packet to the cash person, the cash register person, and say, "Yeah, I've eaten these." Now, this is—I uh, mean, I, oh, that's okay. Sorry, still it's a thing for it. Rubbish! Absolutely not. That's that's rude. It's just like just wait until you get out of the. Uh, sorry, this happened to me when I used to work in an IGA, and I hated it because it was like, can you not wait for a little bit? So I would make that illegal. Is that too? Um, is that too specific? No, is that what you it's it's to, all right, um, but I thought you were about to say they didn't pay for it at the end, which I would have had a big issue with. But they paid. No, that's I don't all right. like it when they. What about yeah, you, Joe? If they. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Sorry. Come on, Joe. Sorry, Throw Joe. Something uh, on Joe. Wow, what would I like to see illegal? Badly produced reality TV. <laughs> yeah. Are we classified oh, in that? Funny. Is that us? Uh, <laughs> is she having a go at us? Oh my god, is Joe having oh, a go yeah. at us? Oh no, we're not reality no, TV. No, we're not. Yeah. Badly produced. Oh, oh, there you go. Get take it, take show. it. Um, You're a beautiful woman. I, I thought she was going to say uh, tabloid magazines, but, uh, you know. <laughs> well, there's Daily Mail. I like the Daily Mail. They cover our stories, but anyway. Um, ben, <laughs> I'm all about the publicity. Say, We're in different places. No, don't Joe. say anything bad about the Daily Mail Australia. They print a story on Rob McKnight every couple of days, so he has like a an agreement with them that he have to every day say he loves. The Daily Mail. <laughs> we actually need you to do a voiceover at the end of the show that says, I loved being here on the Ben, Rob and Robbo show. Rob McKnight is the best producer ever. Please put this in the Daily Mail Australia. <laughs> off. Uh, anyway, ben, my thing that I want to make illegal, <laughs> my thing that I want to make illegal is people eating and talking at the same time. It's got to go. I can't deal with it. There's like uh, a misophobia. Uh, yes, we certainly know that, Ben, from our <clears throat> production meeting the other day. Whoa. Let's just say yeah. Ben made an issue uh, of it. I know. I told one of our producers anyway, off for talking and eating at the same time. Anyway, eating and talking at the same time, misophobia. I have a problem with, like, repetitive sounds. So it makes me like, makes my skin crawl. Oh, like, so what does that mean if I went... <laughs> Can I just say, I, it just feels like we're all, it just feels like we're all a bit giddy because we're with the most popular girl in school, and she's decided to sit with us at lunchtime, and we're all a bit Please. giddy and excited. Well, no, we are. I think like, guilty as charged. I have no problem with yeah, that. Yeah, guilty as charged. Like, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, we're just really excited, I guess. So, all right, Hi, all right. You I, know I, what? I Our full entertainment report is coming up shortly. <laughs> But let's get a quick hit right now of some entertainment news. And, Ben, there's big news for the Alien franchise. In space, no-one can still hear you scream. Thanks, Rob. Thanks for reading that. It was amazing. Did um, I completely <laughs> stuff up that intro? That's I feel okay. like I did. Sorry. Uh, no, no, um, I want to take two. We're not live. I'll edit it in post. Okay. Ben, okay. there's oh, big what? news yeah. for the Alien franchise because in space, no-one can... <laughs> no, I still can't get it right. I'm going to get this, goddammit. No I don't care if it takes the rest in... of the show. Ben, there's big okay, news right. for the Alien franchise. In space, can no one still hear you scream? Yay, I got it. <laughs> Boom. You can read along with it in your book. Whoa. Um, okay. The original director of Alien, Ridley Scott, has now confirmed that a new instalment of the long-running horror franchise is currently in development at the moment. I'm absolutely obsessed with these films, by the way. So... It turns out, though, that it's unlikely the director is actually going to revisit his two previous films, which is Prometheus and Alien Covenant. Now, oh. the popular director is currently promoting the new series Raised by Wolves, which is going to be a show on HBO coming out this week. And he talked about some of the details about this Alien sequel. And I'm going to say this is so exciting. So we can confirm that the working title of this new Alien film is called Alien Awakening. And uh, Ridley Scott has wow. also claimed it will link 
to the prequel trilogy, so you're not completely forgetting those prequel trilogies, and it's going to come before the 1979 original Alien. Anyway, he's also revealed the most exciting thing about this, and that is that Sigourney Weaver is a character he would like to bring back into the franchise. And interestingly enough, Sigourney, with the kind of technology we have these days, we will be able to see her playing maybe a younger, even younger version on, than the character Lieutenant Ripley from when the show, when the, the movie series first started. Yeah. So, look, very exciting for those people out there who, who love aliens. I don't know, Rob, did you like the alien movies? Um, yeah, I did. I, I did like it and I, uh, I, I, I wasn't a hu- huge fan. Like, I'm not obsessive about it, but I have watched the first three or four and big fan. So it'll be interesting to see Sigourney all young again. Uh, amazing what they can do. But what else is coming up in entertainment a little later in the show, Ben? Well, later in the show, we are going to be talking about Donald Trump. Apparently, this video has surfaced with him sort of stepping into that old role of hosting Celebrity Apprentice, and he will fire President Obama. Plus, we're also going to be talking about a much-loved television show that everyone knows and dearly loves. It's apparently coming to an end, and that's all coming up a little bit later in the show. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Well, we are almost at the end of The Masked Singer and last night it was Puppet who just missed out on a spot in the grand finale. And who was it? Well, it was none other than the Red Wiggle, Simon Price. Let's take a look. She'll make you take your clothes off and go dancing in the rain. She'll make you live a crazy life, but she'll take away your pain. Like a bullet to your brain. Come on, upside, inside out. She's living la vida loca. She'll push and pull you down. Living la vida loca. And Simon joins us now. Simon, welcome to the Ben Robin Robbo Show. Thank you, guys. Great to see you. Great to be here. Simon, I feel like I'm cheating on a, in, in a weird kind of way because my kids were at the age of the previous Wiggles and so I, I can't say that I've been as, um, what's the word, committed to your <laughs> version of the Wiggles because my Don't kids are a bit older. I'm just, I'm being, I, I feel like I feel like I'm cheating. <laughs> I understand. Cheating on the old red wiggle. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's right. It, it's always nice when maybe you get out of that wiggle wiggle zone. So I'm, I'm more than happy for you that you've moved on. <laughs> yes, well, exactly. You've given me the chance. <laughs> yeah. oh, let me tell you, I'm pleased to be out of that wiggle zone. Let me tell you that. But uh, look, uh, let's talk about The Masked Singer. Because some people, Danny Minogue included, were terrified by the puppet costume. Did you secretly like the fact they were terrified you when you play a guy who is loved by kids? To be a little bit terrifying, did that appeal to you in some way? It actually um, it took me aback initially. I, I didn't expect that response at all. I had no... I mean, these clips they showed of the puppet are actually quite terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> and the voice of the puppet has is kind of frightening as well. So I kind of understand why people had that fear. But I did get a little bit taken aback at first. I did enjoy it slightly. But then I thought, hang on a minute, this is actually a competition and people are meant to like me. (laughs) (laughs) You found the one flaw, (laughs) the one flaw there. (laughs) Yeah, well, I was going to actually ask you, were you ever offended by the selection choices by the judges? Now, I have to admit to you that I definitely thought you were Mark Holden and I was doing the touchdown and I thought I'd locked you down. Uh, How did that feel to be mistaken for Mark Holden? 
<laughs> Look, Mark Holt, he's a great singer. He's an Australian icon, isn't he? So that's okay. I don't mind that at all. I had the carnation. I was wearing the carnation. And a lot of the clues <laughs> lead to Mark Holden. So, look, more than happy, Mark Holden. There was quite a few random choices as well, which I'm not sure if they were seen during episodes, like Will Smith, Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> that was a bit <laughs> But, uh, you know, Anthony oh Wallow is another one, and I'll, I'll take uh, Anthony Wallow any yeah. day. He might not be that happy if people thought... Uh, <laughs> Uh, he was me, but that's all right. No, you, I'll take him. You were a great phantom. Like your singing career is amazing. You've uh, that's one thing I I loved the Phantom of the Opera. I grew up listening to that, and I've heard your version of that. So you know you're an amazing stage performer. It's very easy that people thought you were Anthony Wallow. Oh look, that's very kind of you. Thank you. It was nice, you know, having uh, been with the Wiggles for sort of nine years now. It was nice to uh, get back and sing a few different songs. Not songs even back in the day, my music theatre days I'd normally sing, but it was a great, great opportunity to sing some different songs and have a bit of fun and wear a nine-foot puppet costume. <laughs> yeah, that's, you did look good in that, I've got to tell you something. But it, you, you're talking about singing different songs. Uh, was that part of the appeal uh, that you could perform in front of a slightly different audience? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I would never, ever sing those songs ever, you know, or ever attempt them. And, and the music department there is so incredible. And so they changed the keys of the songs to suit because I've got a low voice, and which is another reason why I'd never normally sing those songs. But, yeah, to get a chance to sing that range of songs, all that different sort of material, and also being disguised so no one actually knows who you are, you feel a bit of safety <laughs> behind that as well. But I'm, I'm amazed at the quality of sound they get out of because you're singing live. But the, the quality of sound they get out of those uh, masks is quite incredible. Simon, yeah. we have seen the filming of the finale was delayed. Everyone was there ready to go on and then uh, there was a COVID-19 positive case. Um, I believe the filming of the finale went last night. How did it go? Yeah, look, it went great, you know, really good. There's not much... Uh, just, I'm just involved in a group number and that's all I know. And, you know, like... Uh, the, the public are trying to guess who everybody is. We're the same. We're all kept separate from each other. We have a minder who looks after us, who walks us around so we don't actually run into any other singers and any other masks. So literally you don't come in contact with anyone until you're on stage with them in that group performance and you don't talk to each other. You might give a little wave <laughs> and that's about <laughs> it. And that's kind of, you have no interaction at all. So you're, you're, my guess and your guess, we're as good as each other with this one. Now, I need to ask you a question about this because I heard a couple of rumours. Now, reality television, you've been in Ninja Warrior, you've now done The Wiggles. There's a couple of celebrity shows that are coming up at the back end of this year. Can you confirm or deny that you've turned down one of these? I mean, I didn't get told which one it was. It could be Celebrity Apprentice, I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. They're even putting celebrities into Big Brother. Can you talk about whether or not you turned one of these down? No, look, I, I haven't been approached by any any other um, reality TV shows. All I can say is I lasted a lot longer on The Masked Singer than I did in Ninja Warrior. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is very true. Simon, uh, now the door is open. You've shown that you can do it, so who knows what's around the corner. Look, before we leave you, I just want to touch on this because you had some, you announced some very exciting news this week. You and your wife are expecting your first baby, so congratulations. What yeah. are you looking forward to most about being a dad? Is it listening to your own music? <laughs> yes, yeah, I might put Bluey on actually. <laughs> fair enough. Well, uh, you know, no, I actually that's not fair enough. You have to, and, and look, you guys make great music, but you're going to have to suffer like every other parent, and you're going to have to listen to the Wiggles nonstop. <laughs> I know I will, and I know all the children's entertainment out there. I'll be at all the concerts as well. But we're thrilled about having a baby. It's early next year. We're really excited, and we really can't wait. Oh, fantastic, Simon. You oh, are fantastic. a really nice guy. Thank you for being on the Ben Robin Robbo Show today. We really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Great talking to you. It's the Ram Life Shot of the Day. Where are you going today? You never know where you'll end up with the Ram Life Shot of the Day. And today we're going to take you to Canada and have a look at the Niagara Falls as we go down on the Google map. This is the location we're going to and now through to the live shot. And it's night time there, as you can see. It's a cloudy low of 14 degrees and a top of 23 degrees. But let's take a look at some feedback coming through to the show. And we've got Nicole saying, 
Wow, that is one angry mowing man <laughs> referring to Jim Penman, who uh, is calling for Dan Andrews to resign. We've also got Matthew saying, all Dave Jim Penman cares about is his profit. Yeah, I think you're right. Oh, Joe, this <coughs> one's for you. Carlotta has come in and said, hi, Joe, Look, you're looking fabulous. Sending you best wishes, love, Carlotta. And I will say, Joe, Carlotta did co- call me the other day and say, you make sure you say g'day to Joe for me or I'll kill you. And, of course, I forgot to do that. So, you know, I'm a, I'm a dead man walking. Um, Glenn, <laughs> Glenn says... Uh, what does Glenn say? Glenn says, I'm getting a little teary watching that flame footage. Oh, yeah, it was really beautiful to see that again. Mary said, who doesn't love Joe? She is so classic and professional. Tim also says, that flame was amazing. And the people are talking about whether the Olympics should go ahead. Glenn says, as long as the athlete's health is the priority. Cameron says... Joe should come on Drinky Thursdays with Reggie and see how crazy awesome the panel can get. So, Joe, on Thursdays we have Tipsy Thursday where we drink during the show. And I think they want to yeah. see nice. like Reggie and see what kind of show we'd be having because it would. I agree, it would be great. great. Um, I actually think that she rang her agent before while we were interviewing the Wiggle and was like, never book me on this show again. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only joking. I'm only joking. She'll be here all week. Try the yeah. plumber. Uh, Jamie <laughs> says, I need the ability to return. I never get the right light globe fitting. Oh, my God, neither do I. Uh, Travis says, oh, regarding exchanges, Travis says people were abusing the system, especially with the kids' collectibles. Thank you. It's all very professional here, Joe. I think I've been on the turps already. (laughs) Buying products that give them bonus items and then return them, that's why it was changed. Ah, that's interesting. And look, um, oh, here we've got Reggie. She says, Daily Mail exclusive... Daily Mail exclusive, Rob does no, there you go. Flash sausage in front no. of Benjamin Norris. No, 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 stop with this story. No, no one wants to hear it. And Gay says, let's finish on a nice one. I must say, Joe is the best guest you have ever yeah. had. There you oh, go. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Dave. Yes. Thanks, everyone. All right. Look, it's uh, Joe. <laughs> Sorry, I'm looking at Robert's face. Move on, move on, move on, move on. (laughs) Robo, just be careful or I'm going to do the nudie run right now and then you'll be in trouble. Please stop. (laughs) Even your wife just said no. She literally gave me the line down. (laughs) She was like, cut it, cut it. All right. Yeah, and weirdly, the way that she gave you the wind-up was not with the pointer, but was with the pinky. She did that weirdly, which is not uh, industry standard. She Let's knows. move on, though. She uh, knows. We, we're going to talk to Sam Pascari. Move it on. Is, it is I'm time sorry, to talk no, politics, sorry. and for that we talk to Sam Dastiari. Hello, Sam. G'day, g'day. Good to Hi, be Sam. here. But, mate, it's oh, good have to have you here. Uh, can, uh, I, uh, can I just say... I want to talk COVID-19 politics today. And for the longest time, it seemed yeah. like all sides were desperately trying to appear like this pandemic was above politics. I think we can agree they're not even pretending any any longer. I want to play part of Nine News Melbourne last night, and it's a report on Scott Morrison reacting to the Victorian roadmap. The plan that was outlined yesterday, I hope, is a worst-case scenario. I see it as a starting point. Scott Morrison slammed Victoria's roadmap for its economic pain and conservative new thresholds. But what I can't help but be struck by is that under the thresholds that have been set in that plan, Sydney would be under curfew now. No, they wouldn't, because they've not had the community transmission we've had. So we are, we are different. The PM also scolding the Andrews government on its data modelling and contact tracing. It's important that we work on building that tracing capability in Victoria. New South Wales is the gold standard. While turning up the heat on the state's recovery package. It is right that the Victorian government make the first response to set out uh, what the economic supports are they will put in place to deal with the measures that they have put in place. Sam, is this a political issue now rather than what's best for everyone? Oh, no. This was the biggest story. There was always politics. Now, for a period of time, the smartest, best politics, the the government felt, and and so did the states, 
was to be the whole we get along, we're all friends, it's all working well. At some point that was going to break. Um, look, my personal view, uh, I, this was always going to happen. I think the Prime Minister's probably moved a little bit too fast. I think they would have been smarter politically to play that blame game a little bit later, a little bit further down the line. Uh, but, but that aside, you know, every time I speak to you, Rob, you seem to get surprised that politicians perform and play politics. That's what no, they no, do. No, I, I no, no. I know, I know what you're issue. saying there, and I know everything is about politi- politics. And Dan Andrews last night on the 7.30 report saying he's not thinking about politics. Of course, he's at, on some level thinking yeah, that's about right, politics. That's right. right? But I guess I'm surprised at how overt it's been because I don't think the electorate is in the mood for politicking. And we're seeing it, and I, I, I think it's going to hurt Morrison, isn't it? Look, I spoke to a uh, pollster during the week who does a lot of, uh, you know, the Labor Party polling and that back in the day. They'd recently done the Northern Territory election, uh, and then they've, they've done the uh, the Queensland election as well. Their observation was this: um, the public's view at the moment is, as much as they say, you know, they're upset and they don't like, and they and they don't. There is an acceptance that hard measures need to happen. And in fact, you're almost rewarded for being tough. The joke being that if Anastasia Palaget executed five Victorians tomorrow, uh, the view would be, well, it's only five deaths. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Bloody hell. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, You can't go far enough in terms of people's view out there on what to do. So where I think... So let me ask you this then, Sam. Does it work for Andrews and Palaget being attacked by Scott Morrison and with Palaget from Gladys Berejiklian, the New South Wales Premier, does it actually play well for them in their home states because it's like the rest of Australia is attacking them. We're going to, you know, like, we're going to support our Premier. Massively. Look, um, Dan's situation is obviously slightly different in Victoria because there is a bit of a blame element and that associated with it. But look, there is a Queensland election on the 31st of October. There will be blanket television ads that will be the opposition leader there, uh, um, a Deb Franklin thing, um, who's came out on many occasions saying, open the borders, open the borders. Anastasia said, I will not open the borders. She was kind of tough on that. That's their election platform. That's their platform, yeah. right? She got it right. Now, Dan's in a slightly different position, obviously, because of the, the blunders with the hotel contracts and whatnot. Uh, there's there's blame to be apportioned. But even that being said, right, you get through it, you get through the other end. Uh, there, there is maybe still life there. But but being politicians love and are very comfortable with being attacked. I always say this to, to people in business and that, who always have this view of, oh, well, I'll... I'll attack this politician for making a bad decision on policy and blah, 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 business. I, say, I always say the same business letters, same thing. I say, you don't understand. They call each other corrupt and put on the front page of the paper and they laugh about it. Right? <laughs> you get one, like the people you deal with in the media, um, and you know you obviously have a media background, Rob, you know, they get one bad gossip column in someone's online blog and for four days they don't sleep and they just want to talk to their yes. friends about it. Politicians are very comfortable about being punched. The one thing yeah. they all do and have done is get their living bejeez bashed out of them repeatedly. So they're quite comfortable with conflict, and you have to be in politics. I mean, it was a hawky one said to me. He goes, this is when I was running for parliament. He goes, son, no one ever made it into Australian parliament without staring someone straight in the face on a couple of occasions saying, screw you, I'm taking it. Oh, wow. And the, they fight. They fight. They fight in politics, right? And they're comfortable they with it. So these kind of argy-bargies... Uh, that are happening at the moment. Uh, again, no one takes it personally because they're so used to getting beaten up by each other. Yeah, but but Sam, there's also the double of, standards. Yeah. You've also got you've got you know, each different premier. You've got uh, Gladys you know, piling on Anastasia for not opening a border as well. Gladys actually keeps yep. the borders closed to Dan Andrews. You've got Tasmania almost impossible to get into. Western Australia, who might actually consider becoming its own country because they're so happy to keep everyone Hopefully. out. So the double standards are quite extraordinary. And then you've got ScoMo, who's actually just going, hey, look over here, and that way you won't think about my aged care minister not actually knowing his portfolio. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, look, completely. You're completely great. But the double standards in this media cycle is it doesn't matter. You're never held to account, right? You're just no longer held to account based on what we said yesterday or last week or a month earlier. And so the pace of that media cycle, I mean, you're barely ever held to account anyway. 
now, I'm mm. completely agreeing with you, right? What you say today, what you said yesterday, what you say tomorrow, that cycle moves so fast, so fast. So, okay, look at McGowan in WA. The best thing that happened for him was the full page ads and going to war with Clive Palmer, right? Because Clive Palmer is, you know, but, and this is how it gets strange, it's almost also the best thing for Clive, right? Where Clive has decided that he wants to be a guy who has 15 to 20% of the community support him. So he'll just bash, you know what I mean? He's happy to be the demon, the evil guy for the other 80%. He doesn't care. It's the Hanson mentality. When Pauline Hanson gets called a racist and gets pulled from, you know, breakfast television, that's great for her Facebook feed, right? Her audience, she's not trying to get 51%. She's trying to get 20 at most. And so you can play it to angles. And and again, there there is that state parochialism. There's the hypocrisy of the state governments. Uh, and, And don't forget, you know, when we talk about long ministries, just at the start of the year, Gladys Berlajikian and the Prime Minister were at war over who was responsible when he tried to blame her for the bushfires. You know, Sam, I want to quickly ask you a question. I've been dying all week to get to you, and I have been speaking to a couple of friends who I don't know what to do with because I don't know how to shut them down. I would say that they're conspiracy theorists because they're jumping on my Facebook and they're saying things like, you know, Daniel Andrews sold the Melbourne ports to the Chinese, the percentage of Australia, we're losing it to the Chinese, that, you know, Dan is a, you know, a dictator. You know, there's some really confusing times and these people are genuinely out there. They ge- this is what I'm scared of. They genuinely believe all of these facts. What do I do? Yeah, well, first of all, you block uh, Pete Evans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, look, yes, look, look, on that too, there's actually, there, there is that weird kind of thread, and there's a couple of points there to, to unravel. First thing, I mean, look, fa- Facebook just made a decision a couple of years. Facebook is just awful now, right? Facebook has become such a difficult place to be on. You know, it's where your aunties go to spouse kind of crazy stuff. Like, you should have seen True. my feet. The, the media, the, the bit that, you know, the, I remember a few weeks back there was obviously the the, um, the bombing in Lebanon it wasn't even a bombing or it was a bomb but but wasn't intentional and my Facebook feed became fed up with you know it's Jewish conspiracy must be Israel right uh, you have something happened down in Victoria and like the crazy things right like the idea that oh the the Chinese and by the way they don't own the ports down there it was it, it was sold off for the purpose of fixing railway crossings but the idea that what as a result, the Chinese are going to come and dominate the port and not let Australians leave their ship. It just doesn't make sense, right? But it's not about that anymore. It's about rhetoric. What's really interesting is one of the kind of more nutty MPs, Craig Kelly. So he's a, a backbench MP from New South Wales, really taken that conspiracy theory mantle. His engagement on Facebook was 10 times more than the Prime Minister's over the past month, even though he has like one-eighth uh, the followers. You know, the thing is now... You can micro-play to constituencies, and you're just talking to people. Again, you would talk about Pete Evans and kind of half in jest, but that 10 15% market is huge. It's huge for him, right? If you accept the mm. fact that you're not going to be primetime television, just watch. He's, and I know this from others. He's about to launch his own kind of uh, web page, internet kind of, own kind of free TV style platform, right? And if you can find people who are going to pay you 10, 15 bucks a month, and you can find several thousand of them, and he will, it's a huge place to be. And and what's happened with those conspiracy theories is there, there really is something for everyone now, and Sam. you've got that kind of micro segmentation. Sorry to cut you off, but a quick question for you. Does Craig Kelly actually believe uh, these kind of conspiracy theories or these kind of things that he puts out, or is it just because Mm. he knows that he'll get many of those people who will pay $15? Where where does the truth lie in this for someone like him? Both. Well, uh, it starts off with a little bit of shred of belief, and then you start playing to your audience. I mean, the classic of all this is obviously that Alex Jones nutcase in the US, right? But it happens with politicians all the time. Right? So I give a speech, I give a rally, I start, you know, I start going down a policy platform. That feedback loop of people coming back and saying, I love it when you did this, I did that, it, it frames you and you find yourself going down that kind of path. And it happens in media as well. It's that classic feedback loop of, of what people are saying back to you as well. And, and so, yeah, at some point I think you believe in some of it, but it's also great politics for it. Yeah. Well, Sam, I always love your insight. Thank you so much. We'll, we'll see you again next Thanks, Tuesday. Thank I'll you, mate. See you next week. Thanks, Sam. Thank you. Bye.
Um, now, look, that brings us to the end of the show. Joe, you have been absolutely fantastic. And just a yes. programming note, we are going to record the entertainment section, which we've run out of time for, and we are going to post it to the Ben, Robin, Robbo Facebook page. So just go to BRR Show on Facebook. We are going to record it as soon as the show comes to an end because Ticker is standing by and we will cross to them. But, Joe, thank you so much for doing this. We've thank Everyone's you, telling us we're giddy today. Um, someone called you. Someone asked, "Is Joe Rob Celebrity Hall Pass?" Um, you know, I. <laughs> you're not Joe, by the way. Oh, I promise you, you're not. <laughs> or is that? Oh, maybe I've insulted her now. I don't know. Sorry. <laughs> oh, go on. Ask her the question. Here up. No, no. All I was going to say is, <laughs> no, no. If you're going to actually admit you're somebody's celebrity hall pass. You don't talk about your private bits being less than exciting. <laughs> <laughs> Good point, Joe. Good point. Look, uh, it's been an absolute thrill. Thanks for doing this, and uh, don't you. forget, Thank you, better Joe. homes and gardens. Keep an eye on it. It's one of the best shows on TV. Has been around for years, and Joe, we just love everything you do. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Bye. Bye. Thank you. We'll see you tomorrow on the Ben Robin Robbo Show. Bye bye. It's the Ben Robin Robbo, Ben Robin Robbo, Ben Robin Robbo Show. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.